Hi, my name is Rich Johnson, and you are listening to The Slapcast. Well, hello, welcome back to The Slapcast. In this episode, we are continuing our discussion on awakening the best with the leadership of Pastor Rich Johnson taking us through these conversations. Let's dive in. But this this conversation about how we're all connected, that really segues well into what I want to talk about next, which is the community awakening. Mm-hmm. I want to hear from you what you think are the top ways the community needs to awaken in the most. What are the areas we need to awaken in the most or or either or, or where are we awakening that you need, think needs to awaken even more, mm, wherever you want yeah, to take that. I mean, I, in, in this current uh, cultural moment of 2020, uh, <laughs> at the very top is this issue of our history of racial injustice that is affecting the present, you know, right now, uh, which is, um, if we ignore it, it really ignores the connection that we have between one another. And uh, this is not unique to American history. It is a human problem. It's a problem when I read the Bible, I see it happen in scripture as well. Uh, When one group uh, deems themselves superior to another group, they hold all the cookies and they don't share anything and they do everything they can to keep, you know, their resources to themselves. Um, And so we have a, a, a history in America not just for African-American people, but indigenous uh, First Natives as well, as this is First Native uh, Month um, in October, the time that we're recording this. But hey, it's going in December. Merry Christmas, everybody. That's right. Happy, happy, happy holidays. It's the magic of podcasts. <laughs> it's the magic of podcasts. <laughs> uh, so that, uh, that awakening is so important. And as you, as you referenced earlier, when someone says, hey, I felt this or I experienced this, the first thing to do is not to go to defensiveness. It's to go into a listening mode, a curiosity mode, uh, uh, an inquisitive space where you say, tell me more. I want to learn more. Uh, because as we're seeing right now, history is repeating itself when we ignore yes. these things. Um, and that's very sad uh, to me. Um, it's sad to me because I imagine a much more a beautiful place, a much more uh, reconciled community uh, where there is a leveling and understanding of our unique belovedness that is to be shared with everyone. It's not to be hoarded or um, guarded, you know, as some some treasure that no one else can have. There's enough to go, there's enough belovedness to go around. Um, And this planet is big, but if we don't take care of its resources, so I'm not an environmentalist or anything like that, but I'm having an awakening of my own with regards to creation and our relationship with creation and the way that we are not caring well for it. Um, And it's our abuse of the creation that actually leads to an abuse of one another as well by we hoarding our resources to ourselves. Um, So it has this like cyclical effect when you're not caring well for one another, you're not caring well for the resources that you have that just keeps spinning kind of out of control. It's all related. It's all related. I, last year, so my kids moved two two of our three kids moved to Austin, Texas and Mm. uh, middle child, daughter and her husband, and then the oldest 
our son, moved to Austin, Texas. Okay. Well, last year we went to Austin, Texas just for a visit. And while we were there, my husband and I visited a church, Austin City Church, Austin New Church, Austin New Church. And I heard some things about the pastors who started this church, and so it made me interested in going. So we got on scooters like you do when you're in Austin. And we go to this church, and the message was on exactly that, was on stewardship for the earth. Mm. And at first, I was like, oh, here we go. (laughs) Right. Here's the hippies and the, you know, and so, but they were talking about the relationship and they use a lot of scripture about, you know, here's what I always heard growing up. Well, God said, take dominion over the earth, you know, and, and the unspoken translation was, you know, kill all the animals, chop down all the trees and use up all the resources. Right. And so that, that was kind of the, the vibe Mm -hmm. that, that was used to kind of, poo-poo, if you will, the environmentalists, right. you know, like they're a bunch of mamby-pamby, whatever. Not my words, okay? Mm-hmm. I don't think that. <laughs> I cried through the entire sermon mm. because, I, not that crying is a symbol of anything, but it just, it moved me emotionally because it was the first time I heard a pastor talk about the relationship between the way you care for one thing is how you care for another thing, mm-hmm. which is exactly what you just said. Mm. And it was... A beautiful sermon. Of course, the music was amazing because, hello, it's Austin. it's Austin. Everybody there is a musician and a vocalist. It's like being in Nashville. It is. I, I was like, what is happening? This church seats 150 people, and I feel like I'm at the CMT Awards right now. It was, it was, it was amazing. I just couldn't believe. But anyway, um, but that connection, how we care for one thing is how we care for something else. Mm-hmm. How we care for people of color. Mm-hmm. And their experience in the history is how we care for people of color in the future. Like, what happened if we don't address it, mm-hmm. if we don't figure out how we... I don't even know. I, I once heard someone say, reconciliation. we aren't ready for reconciliation yet. And I don't know if that's true. And I don't really think I, a white lady, gets to decide that. Mm-hmm. Um, I want it. Mm-hmm. But I don't even know all the steps it's going to take to get there yet. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I'm committed to the process of being of taking my part in, of, of that process. Um, but I guess my point in that is that if the way we've cared for people in the past is how we care for people in the future, we've got to do something to disrupt that in order to not keep doing that. Right. And that disruption is causing an awakening. But I'm wondering if you think the awakening for people that we're seeing is all positive. Because I'm seeing some awakenings that I'm not liking mm. in other people. Oh yeah, I'm like, trying to be like, diplomatic. <laughs> <laughs> There's some revealing, revealing. of what was Maybe under, is a better word. Uh, yeah. under the surface. It's like, oh, I didn't realize there was that uh, level of uh, disdain or hatred. Um, it's like, wh- what, what did you think? What was going on? But yeah. it's it, it's necessary for us to have that awareness so that we can do something with it, right? I mean, if, if we're not aware that these things are underneath the surface, then, then we don't have the power to remove them. Like, oh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't realize that, um, you know, I was sarcastic. Mm-hmm. And then it gets revealed that I'm sarcastic. So now, that I, now I have power because I'm made aware of it to now do something with my sarcasm and understand that my sarcasm can provide humor, 
my sarcasm can provide relief. My sarcasm can provide, um, uh, provoke anger and it can provoke um, hurt. It can damage. So it can do all of those things. So it doesn't, the awareness doesn't mean like, oh, I can't be sarcastic anymore. You mean everybody's got to just, you know. No, it just means you understand that it has the power to do both. Mm -hmm. And you get to choose. You get to choose now. How will you use that sarcasm? So not that hatred is something that has this positive, you know, uh, you know, experience or something like that, but passion does. Like, oh, I didn't realize you were that passionate. Now, what do you do with this passion? You can use it to harm or you can use it to heal. That's a good Which point. one do you want to do? <laughs> you have the choice. You can use it to divide. Mm-hmm. You can use it to work to unite. I, someone on Facebook a couple weeks ago had a post about, you know, you know, what do you think is needed to heal our nation? And someone and said, you know, I think it's unity. What do you think? And I had to get really honest with myself and say, I don't know if that's possible. Because mm. think about what is needed for unity, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? I think that um, instead, because unity is like, I need everybody to get on the same page. Awakening says, especially awakening the best in people, is saying, I trust God or I trust the universe if God is not a a structure for you. I trust the universe that as people awaken to the best in them, that potentially somewhere down the road, more unity is an output of that. Rather than making unity the goal, making, helping people find the best in themselves because we've got all these structures that are made up of people that are Mm -hmm. keeping these structures in place. Right. So I don't know. Yeah. I think curiosity again comes to mind again. Like what is, Mm -hmm. what do do we need to heal? We need curiosity, right? But why don't we like curiosity? What's that, you know, phrase, um, you know, curiosity killed the cat. So don't be curious (laughs) (laughs) because you don't want to die. You know, I don't know if there's another part to that somewhere. Maybe it saved a dog or a giraffe or something. So it can't be bad for everybody. The giraffe is my spirit animal. I like that (laughs) Is it? Okay, there you go. Curiosity (laughs) saved the giraffe, but it killed the cat. Um, uh, I practice yoga. Uh, so that's not something you find a lot of Christians doing. Yeah. Um, certainly Christian pastors, and I teach yoga as well. But what I love—where do you teach yoga? At the Wellness Forum uh, Center in Worthington. Is this online or in person? It's in person. And yeah. when does it take place? Hot yoga. Um, I, I teach a couple times a week. Is so it on that one wellness app that you can find classes? It is not. Classes? We oh, are okay. so old. <laughs> We are old. Because I would check that old, out. Old. I would totally check that out. Yes. Okay. Yes. Anyway. Anyway. Anywho. Sorry. Sorry, squirrel. Um, yeah, I started. <laughs> I started practicing about four years ago, okay. just because I wanted to do something with my wife, and she didn't like to run or lift weights, and she was practicing hot yoga. Um, yoga pants are awesome. So I'm like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> sold. Wow. wow. Hey. Uh, but when I when I si- I signed up for six months day one, they're like, Are you sure? I'm like, I'm all in. Uh, and I loved it. Uh, there's mirrors all around, and it's about you in that gaze in the front mirror, and everyone is at their own level of experience. 
No, there's no judgment because it's like, hey, you can you can get into a pose that somebody beside you can't. They can get into a pose that you can't. And the teacher in front of the class is practicing as well. In fact, they call it practicing yoga. I wish that we would have that mindset with everything. I'm practicing parenting. I'm practicing, you know, marriage. I'm practicing teaching. I'm I practicing preaching. I'm practicing, you know, my spirituality. I'm just practicing it. I'm not ever going to reach some level of full attainment or expertise, I'm practicing. And so even when it comes to our relating to one another cross-racially, hey, I'm going to practice this conversation. I'm going to pra- I'm practicing relationship. I'm not perfect and you're not perfect either. We're all practicing. And so that's been an awakening for me. Um, yoga was huge, huge for me to even think about, oh, my relationship with God doesn't need to be perfect. I'm practicing. Practicing. Yeah. So let's switch to leadership. Leadership. What? Not that any of this isn't leadership, but specifically, what do you think hinders awakenings? And we could talk about hinders awakenings and leaders. Pride. Other, pride. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Arrogance. I, I mean, pride doesn't hinder. <laughs> Stubbornness. Stubbornness. Um, you know, thinking that we can only hear from... Uh, other experts, you know, if I'm a leader, um, and in my case, I'm a pastor, like, oh, I can only hear from other pastors, not uh, new Christians, or even someone who's not a Christian. Like, I can't, I can't hear from them. Mm-hmm. Can't learn anything about my own. I can't learn you know, from a woman. I can't learn from a woman, <laughs> right? You know, because yeah, we can go down that road some other time, another podcast. <laughs> that's, that's another topic. <laughs> that's another topic. That's part of my experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's. It's so, it's so, I find that there, there are so many places where people are not um, honest, they're they're hypocritical. Uh, So, I mean, I know uh, a church experience where they were like, yeah, we don't have, you know, men, uh, we only have men elders and we don't have women elders. And it's like, well, this woman's on your elder team. And it's like, well, yeah, but she's, she doesn't carry the title as elder. I was like, so you give her all the responsibility, but not the title. Hmm, I don't understand how you got that's away. That's interesting. Well, that's interesting. Um, but we were talking about, you know, what hinders. <clears throat> um, <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, I think having an idea of ourselves that we don't want to let go of. Um, leaders uh, believe that they have to know everything and uh, that they have to be the expert. And they form this profile and identity that they just cannot, you know, let go of. And just want to say to leaders, it's okay to let go of that. There's a better version out there to grab a hold of. There really is. Than the one that you're holding on to. What about you, Rich? What are some of the, if you could talk about one to three of the top awakenings in your life that really stand out to you? What what are they? And tell us a little bit about them. Well, I already told you a little bit about yoga. Mm-hmm. So that was that was pretty uh, profound. Um, it's, it's, it's introduced, um, me to thinking about spirituality. I know mindfulness is a huge thing now and, um, meditation, uh, but mindfulness and meditation are, have been present in the Christian faith and tradition for, uh, two millennia. Um, but the evangelical church has not grabbed a hold of it. Okay. Let's push pause right there. Okay. Cause I was always taught those things are new age and you used to stay away from them. Right. But since my other awakenings, I've, I definitely have a meditation practice now and I have mm-hmm. for several years mm-hmm. and I'll dabble in yoga. You know, I'm like your wife. I'm not a big fan of exercise, but I, I'm, I'm 48 years old and I've reached the point now where my body just 
locks up and is in pain if I'm not moving. You need to come to yoga. I, I have to. I would love to do that. <laughs> But I, I'm to the point now where I've, I've, I've reached a level of acceptance, let's put okay. it that way, that this is now a part of my life. Mm-hmm. And so, and I'm enjoying it. I actually cried during one of the rides because it's so, moti- you see the Peloton commercials, I'm telling you, it's so emotional. Okay, we just ordered one. <laughs> did you? <laughs> my wife did. Did she? She <gasps> did. We can follow each other. Oh okay. my goodness. Okay. It's so much fun. Can sponsor the podcast? <laughs> Please. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk, let's, let's call Doug Allman. Well, I, I know that's different Peloton, but anyway. Um, so. So, uh, oh God, I totally lost my Sorry. train of thought. I was You're 48. You've accepted that things lock up in your body. Yeah, I've, things lock up my body. There's certain things I have to do differently now, mm. which is which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was definitely, for many years, was taught that, and I didn't realize until you just said that. I didn't know that that was more of an evangelical thing. Like, oh, you should stay away from that because it's new age. And so for a while. I had almost a guilt complex about, you know, should I meditate? Should I do this over here or whatever? And what's interesting is every time I would come back to meditation, that's where I found the most resonance and mm-hmm. the and the most connection mm-hmm. spiritually versus um, even, compa- and I'm a musician and a singer too. So even compared to like worship music, it was more powerful than that to yep. me, more real to me. Yep. And so hearing you say that was very validating. Um, because I have heard that in the past and it was really, really ingrained in me. So talk, just say a little bit more about the history of that. Cause I'm just curious that that of meditation and even yoga and, and the Christian practice. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can look back in the old Testament in the book of, uh, Joshua where, uh, he, he tells, uh, Moses tells him to meditate on the word day and night. We can look in the Psalms and see it's meditate on the word day and night. And to meditate is to chew over and over again. Mm. The image is actually of a cow (laughs) who chews the grass, swallows it, spits it out, and then chews it again and swallows it down to get all of the nutrients out of that particular substance. That's what it is to meditate, is to sit with it and to ruminate on it over and over again. And so these are ancient practices that have been a part of the Judaic tradition. It's a part of Islamic tradition. Uh, It's a part of uh, Indian religions. It's a part of Christianity. It was carried forth all the way into the New Testament and to the early church, um, early church fathers who would go out into the desert to spend time in the wilderness. And actually, when you read the Gospels and you read about Jesus, Jesus often retreated to a quiet place to go be with the Lord, right? Uh, Be with the Father. And so every time I read that, there's a certain um, image that comes to my mind, which is another awakening for me, and it's the baptism of Jesus. So uh, in 2015, my father passed away. That's the part of the awakening that happened. And uh, he was a young guy, lung cancer, uh, the year bef- less than a, a year earlier, uh, was diagnosed with stage four uh, lung cancer, and it's the kind of lung cancer that smokers get. And he doesn't—he's not a smoker, so it's like, oh, you got to be kidding me! What, you know, that's terrible. Um, but when my father passed away in 2015, what I missed the most is him telling me that he was proud of me. So we would have mm. phone conversations, and every phone conversation ended with. Son, you know, I'm proud of you. I'm like, uh, yeah, dad, sure. <laughs> and there were days when 
I did some like bad stuff or uh, <laughs> I cussed somebody out, you know, and I'm a pastor. Like I shouldn't do that. Um, he's like, dad, you don't, you don't know what I did today. He's like, it doesn't matter. You're my son and I'm just proud to be your father. I was like, okay, I missed that when he passed away. What came to mind was Jesus's baptism. Jesus is baptized in the water by John the Baptist. The heavens opens up and the father says, you are my son in whom I am well pleased. Um, everybody listen to him, check him out. He's, he's gonna be hot stuff. <laughs> he's the real deal. He's the real deal. <laughs> so the father tells Jesus that he loves him. In other words, he says, I'm proud of you. And this is before Jesus preaches anything, heals anything, does anything of any notoriety. He does nothing that in our, in our estimation is worthy of that statement, I'm proud of you. Usually we withhold those statements for somebody who's done something or they've earned it. And the father does this for Jesus without Jesus doing anything. So every time you, you re, I read in the gospels, Jesus went to a quiet place. I just hear him, you know, tell me again, father, that you that you love me? Yeah, you're my son. You, you know what? Regardless if you go to this town or that town or you heal somebody today or you don't, you know that cut I love out. you. Or cut somebody out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because Jesus did. He called people bro to vipers. That's, he did, that, that was pretty that's heavy. That's pretty heavy. It doesn't sound heavy today in 2020, but believe me, boy. <laughs> um, so that awareness of my identity is not in what I do. It's not in what I have. It's not in what I don't do. It's not in what I don't have. It simply is, yeah. is a beautiful place that I want to live out of. And I want others to live out of that place too. I want others to be awakened to the reality that their identity is not based in what they do. Could you imagine, and, and what was, again, I'm not trying to take this all back to church, but I think that this is important to this conversation. And that is how much it was ingrained in so many of us mm -hmm. in the evangelical church. And again, People listening, I'm not saying this is true for every evangelical church, but what was ingrained into me was you are not worthy. Right. Right. And you come from a place of unworthiness, mm -hmm. which then out of the same mouth, they say, you don't have to prove yourself to God. This is not a works gospel. And yet when you tell me I'm unworthy, <laughs> I feel I have something to prove. Hello. And can You're you sending mixed messages. It, yeah. It was very confusing. And so um, it's almost like gaslighting in a way. Mm. And... To come from the position, and I talk about this in my book, Servant Leader Mindset, I talk about how that there's a non-negotiable for people, for me, which is they are 100% worthy right now today, period, in the sentence. Right. Could you imagine if every person on earth started from that place, mm -hmm. that I'm okay, that I'm loved, that I'm whole, I think it would change the way people showed up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I just... I don't and know. if they believe that about the other person, yes. not only am I loved, but you're loved too. Yes. Not only am I worthy, but you're worthy too. Because we, if we don't believe that about the other person, we withhold ourselves from them we because do. we then think, oh, well, I'm worthy, I'm loved, but somehow you aren't. Right. And like, oh man, we've we've really missed out on the opportunity to give somebody something that maybe they have a hard time receiving for themselves. I don't believe we were created with the ability to, like naturally, the innate ability to treat people as less than. And what gives us the ability to do that is that very thing. Mm -hmm. That if I, can, if I can somehow feel superior, that somehow 
it's, it's how I can bypass that part of my conscience and make it okay to treat you as less than. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think really we were created to do that. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. think we were created to treat anyone as less than, whether it be gender, race, you name mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And so the way we do that is we dehumanize people yep. because otherwise it wouldn't pass the, the, the test of our, con- of our conscience. Right. Because that, that would just be too much to live with. Right. And so in order to do that, we label people. We put them into categories and we decide what that means. Mm. And so if I put you in this category, like let's just say, well, you're poor. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I label you. Now, someone might be economically poor, but what I'm saying is as we label people, I mean, you hear it in conversations all the time. Well, you know how they are if they don't have a lot of money. Yeah. Right? Right. Well, what does that mean? Right. Well, that must mean fill in the blank, whatever fill it means that blank. person. But whatever that fill in the mm-hmm. blank is, it's usually something dehumanizing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so that's how we can bypass that in our conscience. Mm-hmm. And it, it's sickening, but that is an awakening too of realizing how quickly we categorize people. Someone I know, um, Wally Martinson, who heads up Mission Increase in our area, um, Mission Increase Foundation is out of Portland, Oregon. He put it this way. He said, we categorize people so we can cancel them. Mm. Yeah. And that was just so poignant mm. to me because mm. I think that's the only way we can bypass that in our conscience because we aren't, we aren't, I don't think we're supposed to be able to do that. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, we weren't, we weren't created to do that. We were created from the very beginning to be in relationship with one another and to give each other our very best, even to the degree that uh, the, the first humanity has responsibility for naming things. Mm. And, and, to, and, and it was good that they named them. Um, the creator invites the created into a shared creation process. Like God, in the, in the Bible story, you know, this beautiful poem, could have named all of the animals. Like, I mean, he named the first humanity, but uh, instead he withheld his own power so that he could share that power with the ones he created. That's incredible leadership. Like when you can yes. do something, but instead of doing it yourself, you invite somebody into that with you so that you can share that power. Sharing power together gives a lot more people the ability to see themselves as that beautiful, loved, worthy person that we want everybody to feel. What a lovely way to end. Thank you, Rich. Hey, thank, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. This is wonderful. It was so great to be with you, Shannon, and the Slapcast community. Slap podcast, slapping away. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If you want to connect with me, just shoot me an email, slapcast at relayleadership.org. I would really love to connect with you. Um, You can find us on all the socials at Relay Leadership. That's R-E-L-A Leadership. The next time you'll hear from me, it will be uh, 2021. So happy holidays to all and check us out next year.